Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This recording may contain content unsuitable for children. Hey everybody and welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm your host Brian. And I'm your host Will. This is the podcast where we discuss everything Dungeons and Dragons, from savvy swordsmen to sassy savants. And today's topic is character creation. I cast Fireball. Okay, Will, so I think I'm ready to play Dungeons & Dragons. Are you now? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, I think so. I, I don't think you are. <laughs> well, I, I think you're missing something, Brian. What, what is that? I think you're missing the most important part of being a player. Creating your character. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I need a character to play Dungeons & Dragons because yeah. I'm role-playing. Indeed you are. Okay, <clears throat> so how do I start with creating a character? Um... Okay, so creating character um, is, for me, the most fun part of playing the game. Um, I love creating characters. I've created more characters than I've ever gotten the chance to play. And all characters, in my opinion, start with uh, your character concept. Like, what it, it's up to you to kind of imagine what you want to play in this fantasy world. So it, usually I'll, I'll have some spark of inspiration from, like, a character from a video game or from a movie or from a book or... Or maybe, like, uh, take an event in my life and kind of, like, spin a character based off that scenario or whatnot. You know, is your character concept um, a swordsman who's been down on his luck for years and, you know, he's just trying to find, you know, some sort of purpose in life? You know, is he a wizard looking for some sort of object of power? Like, what do you want to play? And then from there you can kind of build your character, mechanically speaking. So the format of of Dungeons & Dragons is usually to... um set out on an adventure so is it important to keep in mind that your character needs to be open to be an adventurer i think so definitely um yeah pretty much yeah absolutely because if you if your character's not willing to go anywhere well then you're getting left behind or you're just gonna make your dm's life very difficult yeah it's like (laughs) he's gotta figure out how to get you out of town or she no this is my farm why would i leave (laughs) why did you create this character why did you create a farmer (laughs) he loves his crops more than he loves like caverns i guess i can never leave my sheep (laughs) (laughs) okay so um 
also I was wondering um when I'm creating a character, do I need to keep in mind like some kind of medieval setting cuz usually Dungeons and Dragons kind of revolves around like a, a dark ages theme. For for your basic vanilla D&D, yeah, it's going to be a medieval setting, but um your your setting is really going to be dependent on your DM. Uh your dungeon master is going to be running this game and it's his world, he's created it so he can tell you kind of all about it and answer all your questions. So obviously you can just create characters at will and mm-hmm. um, yeah. without any kind of game in mind. But True. if uh, if you do have plans to play a game and you know who your dungeon master and your fellow players are going to be, is it do you recommend asking like your dungeon master what the setting is and like how, and keep that in mind while you build a character? Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Um, communication between the DM and the uh, player character or players is of the utmost importance. Plus, like you're just making your DM's life easier, like. Nothing. I hate nothing more than if I'm running a very specific like campaign setting and like I don't know, let's say a steampunk setting, and uh, somebody comes up with a character that's more say like a, a cyberpunk type character from like the future. I'm just like, no, that's not gonna fit in the setting. I told all of you guys what the setting was. Like it just it just makes everyone's life difficult. Okay, so um, there are some guidelines then when you're when you're building a character as far as playing in a a set game yeah definitely i mean that's it's going to be up to your dm but most games are going to fall within this is high fantasy or middle fantasy um medieval lord of the rings ish that 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 type of stuff there's going to be knights swords wizards dungeons and uh, and dragons for our listeners if you guys have never read a fantasy novel or watched a fantasy movie or 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 really experienced anything in a fantasy setting we really recommend that you go uh watch something lord of the rings is a great a great uh introductory kind of um, break into the fantasy realm yeah um i could talk for days about fantasy movies and fantasy books and literature uh you know just forever i'm a huge fan of all that stuff um, when you actually built your first character and you started playing this game, you weren't that familiar with the whole fantasy thing, were you? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd seen Lord of the Rings and mm-hmm. I'd, uh, I tried to read The Hobbit and, um, you know, obviously I grew up playing video games and, uh, and that's, you know, typically set into fantasy, you know, Legend of Zelda, things like that. Um, and, uh. You know, I, I think you said in the last episode that we have we like Dungeons and Dragons is uh is the basis of a lot of um you know people draw from Dungeons and Dragons to make their content. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so that that's um that really helped me a lot um, breaking in. But you know, I other than that, I'm I'm relatively inexperienced in the fantasy genre. So um, actually playing Dungeons and Dragons is teaching me a lot about what um, the origins of a lot of things that I've heard of and like really clearing up some things um you know like as far as like races and classes go and things like that right right you can kind of see like oh that's where they got that idea right exactly like oh is that where this is from right yeah Yeah. that happens a lot in this game um so speaking of character concepts the concept of a character at the creation point um you just recently like what six months ago or so created your first character rohan yeah so what was your thought process there when you when you were creating that concept for what rohan is well the the first thing i did do was um was ask you know what are my boundaries here like when i'm creating a character you know what do i what do i what tools do i have to work with and uh i think you pointed me over to uh the player's handbook Mm -hmm. and uh kind of flipped through races and classes and you were you were explaining to me like what my options were and I just kind of picked the thing that stuck out to me most and um, 
I'm a big fan of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and uh, mm. sequel series Legend of Korra. And uh, The Four Elements has always been something that I've been infatuated with in uh, in lore and, and fantasy. And um, when you talked about the Genasi and how they're elemental-based, that really was like, oh, okay. Uh, so that that immediately sticks out to me. And uh, I'm going to pick one of those. And I, I went with Air. So Air Genasi was, uh, was my pick. And... Um, and then as far as like making a, a class for it, um, I wasn't really sure what to do. And uh, I think we flipped through the player's handbook. I was like, oh, well, I'll just go with something basic. And I think you, you said, well, fighter, fighter's pretty basic. You can't get much more basic than that, I yeah. don't think. Yeah. And uh, so that's what I ended up going with. Okay. Well, that, you know what? That actually kind of informs me of where we should kind of take this conversation. Because like for some people, myself and others that I've met, like <clears throat> the character concept... Uh, phase of the character creation is the most fun and easy part because i'm an imaginative imaginative type of sort and uh i just got just ideas for days but for a new a new player um that might be a little difficult especially someone being unfamiliar so like the first place you want to start is kind of looking at your list of races and classes yeah i just kind of threw a dart so um, yeah yeah the more informed you are i feel like the 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 better odds you have of getting a character that you can really get into and really love. Cause I feel like the, the, um, the richness of playing role playing as a character is really like committing being into it and discovering not just, uh, what you've built and like what, what you can do with your character, but like who your character is, is also very important. Uh, because in Dungeons and Dragons, you're going to be, uh, having to make decisions and they might be difficult. So you're going to learn, um, what your character is or, or who your character is and uh and what they do in specific situations because it's not you uh the player making the decision it's you playing as the character making the decision which is very important i feel like to to get uh the experience of the game yeah definitely well uh i think we should start this off like let's talk about the list of available races in this game um in D D, when we're talking about a race we're basically talking about like your species um and in D D, there are a lot of sentient like uh peoples if you will the humanoids like oh uh, yeah mostly humanoids pretty much almost exclusively humanoids um and they range from of course humans um there are elves there are dwarves and halflings which people are pretty familiar with all those concepts generally um then there are also some more exotic races there are dragonborn which are basically dragon men um, and they have like different features and stuff. Than... So basically, a guy that like looks like a dragon. Yeah, basically, yeah, like a humanoid with like dragon scales for skin and like a dragon head and and whatnot and spines and all that stuff. Um, and then there's tieflings, which are um usually originally humans or perhaps elves or just some sort of humanoid that ended up with some sort of fiendish blood. In their bloodline, whether that be from a, a demon or a devil, that's kind of corrupted their bloodline so that their progeny then uh, portray fiendish attributes such as horns or tails or red skin or fangs or kind of claws. Um, let's see. There are also gnomes, which are kind of like... think I, I like to think of them as like short elves. They they tend to have some some magical features to them. They're they're is that kind of like a halfling? Like because halfling is 
what exactly? A halfling is is basically like a small human. They're more nimble and they tend to be clever and brave and whatnot. So for anyone who's seen uh, Lord of the Rings, it's it's more like one of the hobbits. Right? Yeah, more like yeah, the hobbits are basically where that concept comes from for for halflings. Um, there are so yeah, there are gnomes, um, and I think that pretty much covers the basic races for the player's handbook. There are more races in, that can be found in other books. Um, there are Goliaths, which are basically giant, like stone-like men. Um, there are the Genasi, which are like an elemental humanoid, like what Rohan is. He's an air Genasi. There's also fire, water, and earth. Um, There's storm too, right? I saw something like that. In, uh, in previous editions, there have been storm. Um, in the current edition, they have not come out with a storm uh, okay. Genasi, although they are my favorite. Um, and there, there's just so many other races. There's the Asimar, which are like angelic people. There are the Arakokra, which are basically birdmen. There are the Shadar Kai. There are um, the Warforged. And the list goes on and on and on. But for the most part, uh, beginners are going to be limited to the eight races or so that are in the player's handbook. Yeah, that's a, a good kicking off point, right? Yeah. And I would definitely suggest starting there, kind of looking at what's available to you and see if any of the races kind of... Oh, like, oh, that, you know, that elf looks really cool, like, with that bow and his, you know, leather armor. Like, that sound, looks like something I want to do. And then you can kind of delve further and see see what you want to build on that. Okay, so you pick your you pick your race, and mm -hmm. whatever decision, uh, however you come to that decision is up to you. Mm -hmm. But uh, whether it be based on looks or, or what have you, but... Um, then what do you do? So you, you have you have a race. You pick your class next, right? Yeah, you would pick your class next. But before we move on to classes, let's talk just a little bit about the mechanics behind your race. Okay. Um. So when you pick your race, you're going to gain some mechanical benefits. Usually, you're going to get some sort of pluses to your ability to one or two ability scores, whether it be strength or dexterity, intelligence, uh, charisma, etc. Those are the main um, abilities, right? Yeah, those are the you have six main abilities in the game. Um, that kind of define your character, which we'll get into that a little bit later, probably after we're done talking about classes. But um, your your race will will affect and influence that. You're also going to gain certain features, like some some races gain like free spell slots or like a free known magical spell. Some have the ability to wield weapons regardless of their class. Um, some get like certain like special senses, like dark vision. And the list goes on and on. So each each race has not only its own look and feel, but there are mechanical attributes to it that uh, help influence what your character can and can't do later on. Okay, so uh, we've talked about uh, your race. We've talked about the the mechanical benefit that you get from that. Um, what do you? So so now we got to pick a class, right? Yeah, classes definitely. Class is going to define your character more than race. I would say. For the most part, okay. class is what you do. Like, are you a fighter? Are you a spellcaster? Um, you know, what defines you and, and, and where do you kind of source your abilities from? Um, there are a lot of different types of classes. Um, there are classes that mainly do like martial type fighting. Uh, so there's the fighter, the barbarian who uses like anger and rage to fuel his, his prowess, if you will. Um, there's the rogue who's more of a dexterous. Uh, sneak or thief kind of fighter. Um, there's the ranger who is more of a survivalist and more at home in, in the wild and capable of traversing that better than most characters. 
Um, and then there's spellcasters. You have your wizards, which are really intellectual, and you have your sorcerers, which kind of have a hidden inner power that they're learning to control. Uh, warlocks, for instance, make deals with uh, with beings that are more powerful than themselves. Um, druids derive their power from like, magic from nature. Um, there are religious characters, such as clerics or paladins. Um, and oh yeah, and then there's the bard as well, which is also a magical character and derives his or her uh, magic from uh, music. If you yeah, will. out of a, like an instrument, typically. Yeah, like, out of an instrument, or even their voice. Yeah, magic fueled uh, uh, sine waves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so there's there's a whole bunch of classes in the player's handbook, and they're all really cool and really in depth, and they each have their own even subclasses, if you will, within the, their class called archetypes. And looking at all those uh, and pairing it with your race, you're going to get a really good idea for what your character can and can't do. Let's, uh, I don't know, what, what do you go for first? If you, were, if you didn't have any characters, which one would you want to play first? What do you mean? Like, like if you were going to build a character today and you didn't have any other characters for mm-hmm, an upcoming mm-hmm, game, right. which, which kind of um, race and class combo would you pick? For me, I'm uh, I'm always a sucker for elves. I always like playing an elf. I just like the the mixture of kind of mystery, uh, wisdom, and the the nimbleness and dexterity that an elf kind of brings to the table. Okay, so you pick an elf, and that what kind of mm-hmm. mechanical benefit do you get from being an elf? Uh, for, so if I if I chose elf, um, within the race of elves, there are what are called sub races, which um, kind of like differentiate themselves from each other so like with type el- of elf or like, like a type re- of elf yeah. maybe because of a regional difference or something like that yeah regional or cultural difference there's there are high elves which are elves that tend to be more intelligent and uh have more um magical capabilities and tend to be a little bit more pompous and arrogant they they tend to uh like they have their own like elven cities and whatnot that are like super elegant and ancient and whatnot. Then there's wood elves, which kind of parted from that mindset and kind of went to live in the wild and become one with nature, which uh, those tend to be the kind that I, I typically like to play. But then there are also dark elves, also known as drow, which live in the underdark. And uh, they have like a dark black or purple skin with, with white hair and they have a totally different disposition than other elves and uh totally different abilities and features. Um they're they're so different from regular elves they're they're almost like their own race. Okay. Um so with uh with um so let's say you pick you, you said um wood elf. We'll we'll yeah. go with wood elf. Okay, so what do you what would a wood elf get like so as far as wood elves like, get what plus 2 to dexterity plus 1 to wisdom. Um they get an automatic proficiency in the perception skill. Um, they get some um, like stealth benefits while in like certain terrain or weather or something like that. I don't have the book open in front of me, so I can't exactly recall, but they get things like that. Okay. And then, um, so you've picked your race. Mm-hmm. Um, so what class would you go with after that? I'm always, always, always trying to find a, a class that like can do a little bit of everything. I like to be able to do some magic, but also when it comes to hand-to-hand combat, not be totally at a loss. So, um, for for my wood elf, you know, I would probably go with um, a fighter who kind of specialized with like dexterity fighting, and maybe end up going like the Eldritch Knight path, which is an archetype within the fighter, which can do some magic and kind of work that into their 
fighting capabilities. Okay, so um, you're going to be a wood elf fighter with, uh, what was that archetype? The Eldritch Knight. The Eldritch Knight archetype. <laughs> yeah. So that's an archetype is kind of like a class within a class, right? Yeah. Like a specialization. It's, it's a specialization. Uh, you usually don't even deal with that till you get to level three. So at original character creation, this character would just be a wood elf fighter. Simple as that. So it doesn't have to start off so complicated. I know that can sound pretty complicated, but... I always, and when I, whenever I'm creating a character, kind of already have that idea of where this character's going uh, in my head, you know? Okay, so me- mechanically, really quick, let's talk about a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, you said uh, you get a plus two to dexterity. Yeah. And a uh, plus one to wisdom. Yeah. And so what... When we say uh, plus two and plus one to these skills, um, what does that mean exactly? Okay, so... You're going to pick your race, you're going to pick your class, and later on we'll, we'll get into backgrounds because backgrounds are technically optional. So after you've chosen that, you have to worry about your ability scores. That's, that's the big thing right there. And the ability scores follow as such. Strength, which is pretty straightforward, it's how strong you are. Uh, you know, like how much you can lift, how much you, how hard you can hit things. Yeah, how hard you can punch something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Whatever exactly. it is you do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then there's dexterity, which is kind of like how nimble and quick are you? Like, what's your reaction time like? Um, you know, how how good are you at aiming? You know, like your bow and arrow, or getting that finesse weapon right in yeah. the right spot, or um, you know, performing like acrobatic tricks or sleight of hand. Um, constitution which is your ability to endure it's your stamina like how long can you keep up how many hits you can take how many hits you can take um, so, um your constitution is pretty important because it is also the basis for your your hit points right yeah so it's the basis basis of your hit points it's also uh, going to tell you how how well you can endure harsh weather such as you know blizzards and and you know intense heat and whatnot how long you can survive out there after that we kind of get into the mental uh, ability scores, if you will, um, starting with intelligence, which is uh, straightforward like strength. It's how smart are you? How much do you know about history, about magic, about lore and nature and all that stuff? You know, how brainy are you? You know, uh, usually the wizard is going to be the one with high intelligence. Um, then there's wisdom, which gets confused with intelligence a lot, but is not the same thing. Wisdom is a little bit harder to describe. It's more like your your natural intuition and common sense, um, your ability to perceive things, your ability to see through trickery. Yeah, and like um, what you can expect from the world around you and how, how your character can react to it, how yeah. like, efficiently they can do that, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and then there's charisma, which is kind of like your social skills. Like how likable are you? How strong is your personality? Uh, your ability to enforce your will upon others, whether that be through intimidation or persuasion. Um, how are are you? A, are you a smooth talker, and and such? Are you a good flirt? Hey everyone, we wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for listening and watching. We really appreciate your support. If you like what we do here at the Dungeon Cast, please spread the word and tell your friends about us. You can find us on soundcloud.com slash thedungeoncast, on iTunes, or click the link in the description to hear us on YouTube. Please don't forget to like and subscribe, and if you have a question, suggestion, or just want to say hi, feel free to leave a comment. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at thedungeoncast, or send us an email at thedungeoncast at gmail.com. That's it for the break. Enjoy the rest of the show. Selling a little, or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's, uh, let's talk about, I feel like strength and, um, and dexterity and constitution those are all pretty straightforward things Intel- yeah. intelligence is is kind of falls in line with that you know the things you know like how how well you can problem solve and things like that yeah um but with with wisdom it, it and uh it's a little it's a little different it's I mean, a little muddy let's yeah. let's um put me in a scenario where um my wisdom might come into play like in uh like what would i have to because we would have to roll for wisdom right uh, yeah, so wisdom is going to come into play in a couple ways. Um, the most obvious way is when when someone casts a spell, depending on the type of spell, you're gonna, going to have to roll a, a save roll, um, which will be... To save yourself from to, whatever is going to happen to a, you, right? Exactly, to save your, yourself from utter destruction. Um, and de- depending on what the uh, the spell is, it's going to define which ability score um, you need to roll. Wisdom is usually rolled in order to... Re- to save yourself from um, an illusion, if you will, um, basically, you know, a, a spell form of a, of a strong lie, um, and the wiser you are, the more capable you are of seeing through that lie, and that's also portrayed kind of on the skill list with the skill insight. So, if you're talking to an NPC and he's full of shit, and out of character, you know that this dude's full of shit. Um, but in character, you may or may not know. You can choose to roll insight to see if your character can detect the bullshit. Um, and a high roll obviously will. And you then you can call him out on his shit. Okay, so um, <laughs> is now a good time to talk about um, uh, staying in character? Uh, yeah. That, that you know, th- Okay, staying in character is going to come up like a billion times in this podcast, so get used to it. But yeah, that, that would be a great time to talk about it. So out of character, you know that this this NPC is full of shit. 
but you roll that insight check and you fl- flub it. It's a critical miss or just just a fail, whatever. Um, and the DM has decided, like, no, you don't. You don't think he's lying, or you don't know that he's lying. You have to role play that. Just because you know that he's lying doesn't mean your character does. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that that can be difficult. I feel for a lot of players. I know we've had some instances in our game where. Um, we know like out of care, we have, you know, every player has a bird's eye view (laughs) on what's happening. Even if your character wasn't present for a conversation, you, the player were definitely present for everything that happened. So you have, as a player have all this information and you have to kind of wall it off in your brain when you're role playing, because you know, your character wasn't present for, for, um, a conversation between two players that might've been somewhere else, or maybe a conversation with an NPC, Right. We had a situation where I rolled to um, det- insight to detect a lie, and I, I critic I critted it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, th- like this guy's a liar in in character in my in my character's brain." You know, he's not going to say that out loud. We're in front of somebody, and then another character who wasn't present, you know, walks into the bar we're in, and he said he's like, "Oh," uh, starts just like just yeah. going up he this just started tearing butt. into the dude yeah i was like, like jesus man you haven't even been here for this what yeah, are you doing yeah <laughs> he's like oh i know like what are you like you're a liar so suspicious like, of this guy like like dude there's no way that like your character would have done that like right. everybody knows your character but since yeah. you know i i feel like that can be really difficult to um to kind of pull the the reins back hey. on yourself because you know like you want to progress the story and you want to you want right. to win D and D right 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 <laughs> well and that's the thing yeah it is tough for a lot of new players uh, and old players just because uh, instinctually we always want to make the best and most right decision we possibly right. can um uh, and for the most part uh you guys do a great job of separating separating character and player knowledge like I you think guys that's are the only time that we've ever had like a uh, even like a that. slight issue yeah and, and we considering were... the three of you were completely new players like i was really impressed with your guys's capability to do that yeah and that scenario we were really an- <laughs> we were really anxious with yeah. this guy like yeah. lying to us you guys we... were not happy with him no it was it was bad so i <laughs> I, had, I understand like wanting to wanting to do like my character wanted to like beat that guy up right there <laughs> And out of character, crazy. I wanted to beat that guy up right there too. I was frustrated <laughs> as a player and as a as in character, you know, is it's like understandable you want to do that, but to um to keep the you know the point of the game is to role play. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I feel like you really want to try your best to stay true to your character and stay true to events happening in in the world of the game you're playing, so you don't. Uh, you don't muck it up with your your godly bird's eye view uh, knowledge. Yeah, definitely. You, yeah, definitely. Okay, let's get back to the actual character creation process. So we uh, so back to ability scores. Um, you now know what they what they all stand for roughly. Um, there's still there's more to them than that, but that was a basic run through what they're what they're supposed to stand for. Now, how do you determine them? would be the next question. And there's multiple ways to to do that. Three ways, in fact, that the player's handbook gives you. Uh, the first and foremost way I think that is suggested is what is called a standard array. They just give you six numbers, and you plug them into the ability scores of your choice, and then add all your stuff to it. And that's what you got. And it's a really balanced way to do it. I like it. It's a little bit boring to do it that way, but it is also a nice way to guarantee balance between the parties. So, like, one character isn't ridiculously stronger than another. 
Right. There's going to be um, whenever you build a character, your character is going to have strengths and your mm-hmm. character is going to have weaknesses. Yeah. And the standard array um, is built around that concept. Yeah. Uh, the next way that's presented is what is called a point by system, where basically they give you um, a set number of points at which you can buy ability scores and there's like a little key telling you oh, how much you can allocate them to whichever score you want exactly uh so it gives you like 29 points but they don't transfer directly so it's not like i'll take 15 of those and they make it a they make one of my ability scores it's it takes it costs you three to have a score of 12 or something like that it's a, it sounds a little complicated but the the chart for it it's right there in the book that's in the player's handbook. yeah it's right? in the player's handbook um Normally, in other in previous editions, the point by system is my go-to because it, it, it's it's a way for you to it's a way to keep it balanced between characters because they all have the same amount of points that they can use. But uh, you can also kind of tweak and customize it to exactly how you want it. So if your character with that system, if your character wants a really big score, mm-hmm. they're going they're going to have to lack in something else. Exactly, they're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this edition, I actually do not really. I'm not a big fan of the point allocation just because I, I really I looked over it and you cannot even buy yourself the score that is the standard array. So if oh, you so you're better if, off just taking the standard array. Yeah, you're better off taking the standard array. I mean, I don't know why anyone would choose the point buy in fifth edition. It just it's just lacking. Like you you pointedly cannot get as good as the standard array, so why would you do that? And then of course there is uh my favorite way, and I think the way I would say most people do it. And that's rolling for your stats. And the way the player's handbook tells you to do it is pretty much how I have you guys do it. Um, I, I do add a couple house rules to that. But um, you take four D6s, which are your standard, like, dice, you know, gambling dice, if you will, uh, six-sided. Your Yahtzee die. Your Yahtzee your die. Monopoly there we die. go. There we go. Um, and you're going to roll f- all four of them. And you're going to add the three highest numbers together. Yahtzee. And drop the fourth one. And that's going to be one of your scores. Um, and then you're going to, you're going to do that five more times until you have your six numbers and then you're going to allocate them. And what's cool about that system is you get the chance for some really good high numbers, but you also have the risk of some really low ones. And overall, you're going to end up pretty average. Um, I've heard people have problems with this system because they say, oh, well, uh, I mean, it could be really out of balance. Like your fighter could just have like 18s across the board and just be a monster. Meanwhile, like your ranger or whatever, just rolled really badly and he just sucks at everything <laughs> i've never actually experienced that happen in real life i'm sure it happens i'm sure it happens a lot yeah but it has to i mean I, we yeah get stuff all statistically over the board. it has to have happened many times but in all the games i've ever ran i've never really had that issue and i also in in the case of that actually happening i have um a couple house rules that i i like to add in so i allow the six ability score rolls and then i let you re-roll one of those scores one time. So if you get one really bad one, yeah, you can re-roll one time. And then that's it. And then at the very end of it all, if you're not happy with what you got, I'll let you just go back to the standard array. Yeah, if you if you rolled really under like under average. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's yeah. cool. Which I think one only one time have has anyone ever really taken the standard array. So and that would be Jake. <laughs> Poor Jake. Oh well. Um, yeah, and and you know, and then that character died. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor guy. I mean, that's the risk. I mean, that's part of the fun. Is as I know that you want your character to be hardy, and you want your character to be good at lots of things because you you want to win the game. But I mean, 
you got to deal with uh, with what you get. Like my character, Rohan, you know, he's not the he's not the most charismatic and he's not the smartest. Um, and I just kind of play that just kind of rolls into his character. He's he's a little bit above average intelligence. So he's he's, he's got an 11, which is you told me a 10 is uh, isn't the average human beings. Uh, yeah, like your average score. your average commoner is going to basically have like five tens and one eight because everyone's bad at something right exactly so yeah my character um my character rolled pretty well you've got a couple 17s in there and and um nothing really below a 10 i don't think is when i rolled it yeah i don't think you have anything (coughs) anything sub 10 um speaking of like the actual numbers themselves they they range from uh from anywhere as low as 8 to 20 uh, usually 20 being the max you actually can't have an ability score higher than a 20 in this game um and the ability score number is important because it defines what is called your modifier, which is that number you get to add to all the roles pertaining to that ability score. And the way it works, it's hard to describe. So the way it works is, let's say you have a 10, you have a plus zero, meaning you have neither a bonus nor a negative to that ability score. So, so let's say it's strength. I have a 10 in strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm probably like a bard or something like that, right? Yeah, you know, or just something you're probably not utilizing that. Or yeah. if you are, I feel sorry for you. So I'm going to have to climb a rope because mm-hmm. the, so, I don't know, some bridge tr- I'm on collapsed or the, whatever. The troll is coming for you and there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah, yeah. so um, that's going to be a strength check. Mm-hmm. Which uh, so I've got a ten. So uh, help me, D twenty, please. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna roll a D twenty and add a beautiful zero to it. Okay. And uh, and then that's what you get. Meanwhile, a character with eighteen strength, which is really high, is going to have a whopping plus four to his modifier. And uh, yeah, he's gonna have a much bigger bonus to getting away from that troll. So I go to climb the rope and mm-hmm. I roll a ten, but I add my plus four modifier. And now I've got a 14, which typically is a pretty good roll, right? Yeah, yeah I would say so. Yeah, you're yeah. getting up the rope, no problem. Yeah, so that I got away from the troll. The bard might not. Yeah, no, he's he's done. <laughs> um, so, and, and then, of course, if you drop below 10, it starts getting into the negative. So if you have an 8 in a score, not only do you not get a bonus, but in fact, you're so bad at it, you get a negative. So uh, an 8 would be negative 1. And and that's generally how it works. Every every even number, the bonus, uh, the modifier goes up or down. So 10 is 0, 12 is 1, 14 is 2, 16 is 3, all the way up to 20, which is 5. And uh, and yeah, so that's, you know, that's your basic on ability scores. So we have a we have a character in our game that has uh, has an 8 in I think stealth. So Oh yeah, the yeah. paladin. He's got a yeah, he's got a <laughs> minus 1 to stealth yeah. and um yeah, we can't take him anywhere if we're trying to be yeah, which... we're trying to be cool. Is which it's pretty hilarious that his stealth is so bad considering his backstory actually is super surrounding his ability to catch criminals at night. Um, <laughs> but that is another. he's pulling it off anyway. Yeah, he does it anyway, and that's what's cool about fifth edition compared to previous editions. In previous editions, if you were bad at something, it was highly advised that you don't even fucking try. <laughs> In this edition, they they've kind of compressed the the numbers down from the high end and up from the low end, if you will, so that even if you're not necessarily good at something, you still got a shot, and it, it never hurts to try. And, you know, he he tries, and more often than not, he makes it work. Yeah, we, we'll figure it out. But that's, that part of it is um, failing your roles uh, changes can change everything, everything that's going on in the situation in that moment. Um, if you fail it, you have to 
find another way to compensate basically oh, yeah. uh whether it be like you have to eat some damage or right. you fall behind and like your party has to go back for yeah. you or whatever um, for me my favorite part about failing and or just having a, a really shitty score in something is oftentimes it forces you to get creative and those creative moments usually are the most memorable uh let's talk about um building your character um would you roll would you roll your stats before you start kind of fleshing your character out you can. with backstory and things like that? Yeah, you can. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't. I, I, I usually for me ability scores are usually almost the last thing I do. Um outside of choosing like my skills and whatnot. And um and that's the thing. When you choose your class uh, excuse me. When you choose your class, um you will have like a list of skills and it will tell you how many to choose from of those skills. That you can be proficient in and proficiency proficiency just means you get to add uh, a certain bonus called your proficiency bonus, which just means you're trained in this. You're really good at that. Um, And you also get skills from something called a background, which is actually something we should delve into. So when it comes to ability scores, roll them before, roll them after. It's up to you, whatever your preference is. There's no there's no right or wrong there. But um. So after you've chosen your class and after you've chosen your race and possibly after you've rolled your ability scores, there is a third option, which I think most people do use in their games called background. And I find backgrounds are very handy, especially for new characters or new players who um, are having a little bit of trouble coming up with a concept. Yeah, they need some direction. Yeah, they need some direction. And the background is really cool because it's a very general kind of backstory, if you will that pertains to your character that you're going to gain a little bit of mechanical stuff from. And, uh, the list, uh, there, there's like 12 or 13 of them in the player's handbook, but there are things like, um, criminal or acolyte. There's, um, outlander, sage, hermit, soldier. Yeah. I think Rohan, uh, went with uh clan crafter. That one. Yeah, that's actually one from a from a book outside of the player's handbook. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, Clan Crafter was that one, or or basically he's an artisan, if you will. He's a blacksmith. Um, and the choosing a background kind of gives you just a little bit more of stuff to work with for for your character backstory, a little bit more flavor, if you will. Um, and generally, a background is going to give you two extra skills, maybe a language or two, uh, maybe some tool proficiencies. Like for instance, uh, Rohan can work with blacksmith tools because of his background. Um, and, uh, usually there's some sort of, um, it, it's not exactly a mechanical feature, but it can be, um, each, each, uh, background comes with some sort of feature specific to their background, which allows them to do a certain something. So I'll use Outlander as an example. Outlanders are like basically survivors out in the wild and they get a feature, which means that they never... Um, they can always remember landmarks of anywhere they go. So it's really hard for them to lose their way, and they're really good at foraging, fo- foraging for food in the wild. And like each background has like a little something. So not only is that uh, something to flesh out your character with, it's also uh, mechanically benefits you. Like, yeah, yeah out absolutely. in the wild, you literally like, hey, I want to find some food. And DM can go, oh, well, good thing you're good at that. Go get some. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um and that's the thing about uh, a lot of the uh, background features is they're a little bit more vague than some of the more mechanical features you get from your class or race. And a lot of them are, and they always have the little subtext saying, up to your DM's discretion. So, Okay. Um, so let's go back to your uh, your wood elf fighter. 
Okay. Um, do we have a name? Uh, uh, we'll call him Gilthanis. Gilthanis, the the wood elf fighter. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of background would you put on him? For Gilthanis, I would put for funsies. I always like playing like nobility or royalty on the run. Or like someone who's like they they were born into aristocracy, but then they they decided it wasn't for them and they shunned it and they're moving on. Um, so I would give him a mysterious noble background, uh, which noble is one of the backgrounds, um, and that would be kind of built into his backstory. But he doesn't like to talk about it. Right? Okay, yeah. So um, so just with that, um, you kind of get an idea of who this person. Uh, in this world might be and uh, we haven't even talked about them being in a world they're just this character right yeah now yeah we of the world, yeah we just basically built um this the shell of a character but just based off the decisions i made you can tell a lot about him um he he has this predisposed knowledge to magic he's a fighter he's a wood elf and he's also a noble and kind of tells you that in itself kind of tells you a little bit of a story okay so um with um being a noble, a lot of people carry around, like characters will carry around something with them to show that they are a noble mm-hmm. or, or something like that. And they'll, um, they can flash like some kind of badge or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, name. like hey, uh, I'm from this family. And right. uh, somebody may or may not recognize that and us respond uh, accordingly. Yeah, it's true. Um, uh, generally, like he, he could carry some sort of insignia uh, that, that signifies who he is and where he's from. Um, and I think the noble uh, background actually comes with that. Like you literally get that, um, which your class and your background both give you a certain amount of resources of your starting equipment, if you will. So for your class, like it'll tell you, you can start with this, 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 and this, or you can start with this much gold and then you can kind of, uh, flip over to the items part of the player's handbook and kind of go shopping, if you will, and and buy and decide what your character starts with. Uh, so on the character sheet, there there are thing, little uh, little boxes that say um, personality traits. Ah. Where you kind mm-hmm. of put a one word descriptor in yeah. in that box. Mm-hmm. Um, now those things, um, I'll use Rohan as an example. He he likes um, he likes um, freedom and fair and fairness, and he is kind of greedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's something I kind of implemented to um, to give him like a potential flaw, like, and uh, I thought that would be fun in the game since uh, since in Dungeons and Dragons you you go into dungeons and you fight monsters and there's treasure and stuff, and um, there's obviously the chance of uh, temptation being something that could like distract him from his goals or 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 kind of interrupt what the party is doing. Like, oh, I think I see a chest over there. Like, I'm gonna go get it. Bye. You know, I'm no, sorry, I'm going. Yeah. Know. And and actually that flaw has come up many, many times in, oh in our campaign. Yeah. I almost killed us. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and other people's flaws have almost killed the party at other times as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's important. It's important to have traits, have uh, like certain personality quirks, if you will, and flaws. I think just as long as you come up with one. Uh, major flaw for your character, you're going to have a much more fun time because it's going to come up and it's going to become an issue and uh, you're going to have to get around it and it's going to be fun. Yeah, working through... I know it sounds like you don't... You, you know, I, I'm so conditioned playing video games. Like, my character in a video game is usually perfect by the end of the game. Um, 
that's the thing is like you don't get to the end of the game necessarily. You might right. get to the end of your campaign, yeah. but life goes on and like you treat you treat your character in the world like you would treat yourself in the world like taking big risks that you don't think you can you could feasibly do. Like let's say your character is not the best jumper. Like they don't have really good acrobatics and there's a big pit blocking your way and like if only i were a better jumper yeah there there might be another way around it you know you have to think creatively but you don't want to just jump because who knows how far that pit goes down you might die you literally your character will die will die and you do not get to play them anymore yeah so that that's something that you should be mindful of i feel like is uh don't let don't just try to do stuff and hope the d20 saves you it might uh it might not um I don't know if there's a character that can't jump, no acrobatics or anything like that. Other characters are jumping over this pit. Like, how can we problem solve this guy? You know, throw him a rope. Uh, that's that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Like the the strong guy throws the guy who can't jump a rope and just pulls him on over. And so that guy will kind of need to strength check, right, and help. You, yeah, a series yeah, of checks sh- you have to pass. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's no not tying check. That's just something you do, right? Um. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not going to force that. That'd be silly. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, your knot sucks. Now you die. Okay. So, let's say we throw this guy uh, a rope. Um, I mean, does every character have rope? Like, where do we get, where are we getting this stuff? Like, um, like, like, how do you choose your starting equipment, basically? Yeah. Like, do I get, yeah. I get starting equipment when I come into the game, right? So, yeah. Yeah. You do. I just, um, I just pick from what what are my options here? How does so that there's, work? There's a couple ways to do it. And and to answer your first question, yeah, generally most players are gonna have rope. <laughs> For some reason, it's almost in every kit. Um so when you choose your class, it's gonna give you some starting equipment options, like choose from column A or choose from column B, and so on and so forth. And you can do that, and that'll if you follow that, it's gonna give you some real basic stuff. Um, that's going to be pretty fitting probably to your character, and it's it's going to be great, actually. I actually suggest that way. It's, it's not a bad way to start. The other way is it will... The, the book also gives you an allotment of gold that you can decide to have or or that you kind of, you kind of roll for it. And like starting you, money? Starting money, yeah. And, um, and then you can flip over to the part of the book where the items are and start buying stuff like your armor and your weapons of your choice. Um... There are what are called, um, I think they're called packs or kits, and there are six different ones, and they each come with uh, a different allotment of stuff, and they're all geared towards like the kind of character your character is. So there's the scholar pack, there's the dungeoneering pack, the um, the explorers pack, there's the priest pack, and there's a couple others, and each of them is going to have like slightly different stuff from each other. I like the I like the idea of a priest pack. Yeah, yeah. It has a cross in it. Yeah, sure. I guess there could be um, holy water and vials. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. No, what's what's in a priest pack? I've never. I've you never know, seen I that. don't have the book open in front of me, but I've just been drawing off memories. I've never actually played a character that actually chose to have that pack. It's like you'll have like candles and like an alms box and like maybe a, a talisman of your deity. Um, See, I I feel like we haven't really touched on that. Um, like. So if you pick a character mm-hmm. and everything, mm-hmm. one of the things you got to determine is, are they religious? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So when when you're a religious character, you usually align yourself with um, one of the gods in, in Dungeons and Dragons, right? Right. Which right. there are a set list of, I think. Um, yes and no. 
Um, in the back of the book, there are lists of deities. Some are um, like lists of pantheons of gods, if you will. Some are uh, D&D setting, like original, um, that most people, if you're not familiar with D&D, have never heard of. And then there's like literally there'll be like the Norse pantheon and the Greek pantheon and the Egyptian pantheon. Right. And um, that's up to your DM what deities do or don't exist in his camp his or her campaign setting um for me all the deities in our game are they're all custom some of them i've just made up some of them i've reskinned from other settings okay and kind of just picked and chosen and made my own like personal blend of deities so typically like if you're gonna be religious like anybody can be religious right but right. Mo- most of the time if you're religious you're like a paladin or a cleric or like yeah, that can like aid in like how religious you really are. Anybody in the game can be religious, but paladins and clerics are defined by their religion. So uh, yeah, if you if you choose a cleric or paladin, you need to choose a deity that you follow, and the deity you follow is gonna kind of define your behavior because you know it you you follow that deity faithfully, and you want to present yourself in a way that that deity would approve of. So as far as uh, creating your character, if you're if you're trying to pick an alignment and you're going with a religious character, the, your deity might have an alignment, and yep. you're probably going to have to follow it. Usually, yeah. very lawful, something very lawful, right? Oh uh, yeah, it just depends on the deity. They're completely chaotic deities. Um, yeah, when when you choose your deity, your alignment is going to need to fall usually pretty close with theirs. You're generally not going to go against theirs. Although I have some really cool concepts. That I, well, I think they're cool, well, of a religious character whose alignment is actually completely polar opposite of the deities following because they have a very strange and strained relationship. But that's the conversation for another day. Okay. <laughs> so um, so my uh, my explorer's pack, my dungeoneering kit, whatever whatever it, you, you pick, um, mm-hmm. is going to have essential items that you're most likely going to need um, yeah. when yeah. you're... When you're exploring your world or, or adventuring, mm-hmm. I know my pack had uh, like torches and a rope and uh, like a mining pick and like all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those are just things that I I get for playing D and D. Um, like here's here's a pack of things you need. Like take this take this with you, and I just kind of naturally have that on me. Yep, exactly. Um, am I gonna need to replenish those those items? Like when I run out of torches? Uh, yeah. If, when you run out of torches, you you will have to buy more. Okay, so it's um, it's. I think. Uh, do I have it right when I say uh, it's up to the DM how much, how long your torches last, and things like that, and like how many to use, or absolutely up to the DM on that one. Some DMs do not like to keep track of like um, variable sundries, if you will, at all. It's kind of. I kind of. I kind of fall into that. Like I'm not paying attention to your guys' food rations unless you guys are really out there in the wild for days and days on end. Like then I kind of have to, but like. You know, I'm just going to presume that you guys restock all that stuff when you get into uh, into into the city. And honestly, food's pretty cheap, so I'm not really worried about like nitpicking your gold on that stuff. Some DMs, that's they play a totally different game. Though they're they're keeping track of all your resources, all your stuff. Yeah, you got to figure out how to make money. Exactly. So you can do things. Exactly. So uh, you know, it depends on your DM. It depends on what kind of game you're playing. So now we have Galthanis, uh, a character born of this conversation. Uh, he's a wood elf, uh, fighter, eldritch knight mm-hmm. archetype. Yep. Um, what kind of pack is he getting? Um, ooh, that's a good question. I think the explorer's pack, because I think he's he's left his life behind, and he 
never intended on going back and he's like i i need to survive in this world and so he's going to go to down to the to the good old elf mart by himself <laughs> and explore his pack and he ain't coming back he walks into elf mart he buys his <laughs> explorer's pack and he says i'm gonna adventure i'm gonna yeah. see where where time, time to explore yeah where does life where's life gonna take me if i just aimlessly start wandering the map hey, and, there uh, we go so that's how that's how he's born into the world and where where he gets picked up from there maybe he wanders into a town mm-hmm. where the rest of your future party members have also possibly wandered into or they live there or mm-hmm. whatever and so uh, they usually find a reason to come together yeah. and adventure as a team because uh, safety in numbers, right? Yeah, safety in numbers. I mean, uh, we could go back to your jump scenario. Like that dude needed the strong guy to get across. Right. Like, he, if he was alone, he would have. What would you, what would you do? I, I mean, don't know. Yeah. Who knows what would have happened? Like it would have been a lot more difficult for him, though. You, definitely. You might have to go back. I mean, there are there are dead ends in in D and D. It's true. It's true. So. Uh, Got a character. We've uh, picked the race, class, background, alignments. We, t- we covered my items, what I've got with me typically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, am I ready? Am I ready to play D&D? Yeah. Yeah, Brian, I think it's time. I think you're ready. Okay. Maybe I'll roll Galthanis, even though it's your character. I'm yeah, going to just don't. take it. Yeah, don't do that. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll make my own. Okay. <laughs> Hey, everybody, we're going to go ahead and call it a game right there. I'm going to hand you off to our Sage DM. Let him give you some Sage DM advice for the week. Really help you out. Go ahead and take it away, Sage DM. Hey, everybody. Sage DM here with your Sage DM advice for the week. Remember, if it has stats, you can kill it. That's all the wisdom juice I got in me for today. I'll check you all later. Bye. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.